Terry, I want to go to James chapter 1, starting with the 12th verse, because we've been talking about temptation, and I want to clarify that temptation does not come from God, and it's just point blank that it says it does not come from God. So as we're reading the Lord's Prayer, and we see those words about temptation, it's not coming from God. All temptation comes from Satan. So I want to read from James chapter 1, starting with the 12th verse. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And that's pretty clear, isn't it? It sure is. The temptations do not come from God. He's not testing us with evil or tempting us. As we see through Jesus in Matthew 26, Jesus is trying to overcome temptation, and the Father is helping him overcome temptation through prayer, through seeking him. That's what this is all about, is trying to endure and overcome temptation. God will never, never tempt man with evil. The Lord doesn't operate that way. The Father does not operate that way. And we just need to get that in our mind and settle that issue right now. We are not tempted by God. And I think I'll go ahead and read in James chapter 1 and tell you where this temptation comes from. Verse 14, But everyone is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He's wanting us to know the truth. The temptation does not come from God. It comes from you when you allow temptations of life to enter in your mind and take you captive. And then what happens? Then lust conceives in your mind, and then it gives birth by an outward manifestation of whatever you've been dwelling upon. Sure. Verse 17. Now this is to build us up, to assure our hearts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We need to remember that at all times. Temptation does not come from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And we just need to settle that issue right now. Every good gift. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. That's amplified. God is pouring out his love on us. And I also want to expound on where evil comes from. Yes. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting with the second verse, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. It's that spirit, the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the world that works within us. That's the one that's tempting us. Yes. Causing us to deviate from God. It's been that way since the very beginning, hasn't it, Terry? You bet. It started with the snake in the garden. In verse 3, Hallelujah. among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Temptation and evil comes from Satan. And the Father is wanting to understand temptation does not come from him. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from him. 
Yes. And we're going to see in Matthew 26. This is Jesus when he was in uh, Gethsemane. This is just before he was to be betrayed. And we see the struggle here. We will see the struggle here that Jesus is going through in his flesh. And this is a perfect picture of us, how we struggle in the flesh. And Jesus shows us how we can overcome that temptation. Matthew 26, starting with the 36th verse. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. In the Amplified, it says, He began to show grief and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. That's what we want to keep in mind. It was all conceiving in the mind. Remember what we read in James chapter 1? Yes. Where it says how sin conceives, it's in the mind. And this is what Jesus is struggling with right now. He's becoming sorrowful in his mind. Well, I was going to read 38 in the Amplified. I'm sure you were just getting ready to read it too, right? Go ahead. Then he said to them, My soul is very sad and deeply grieved, so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and keep awake and keep watch with me. That soulish realm we talk about so much? Yes. That's where his mind, will, emotion, imaginations, thoughts, his personality, everything about him as a man dwells within there. He was 100% human. Yes. And 100% God. Amen. Keep that in mind as we talk about this stuff. This is so cool. Yes, it is. What I really enjoy is the fact that Jesus is teaching, even as he's preparing to go to the cross. He's trying to teach the disciples, and we'll see that here in a minute. Verse 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he does this. Because now he's building himself up. See, we got to remember, he's trying to build himself up. He's seeking the Father to build himself up, to overcome this trial, this tribulation he's about to go through at the cross. I want everyone to remember, he went to Gethsemane to pray. Yes, to seek the Father. Seek the Father. To build himself up. That's what we're trying to teach. And to give comfort. To stay in prayer. Yes. (laughs) Nevertheless... Not as I will, but as you will. Wow. See how he's denying himself? He's saying, I'm not going to allow this fleshly mind of mine to cause me to go into fear. I'm going to control this because I believe in my Heavenly Father, what he's been teaching me through that Holy Spirit. I believe that I'm going to have life after death because isn't that what we fear most is death? Sure. As we get older, you think about it even more and more. And you can grow in fear or you can grow in joy and peace and understanding there is life after death. That's why Jesus was willing and able to go to the cross. He didn't allow his mind, he didn't allow Satan to tempt him and cause him to deviate and fall into the flesh. Because he just wanted him to sin one time. Satan did. Wanted him to sin one time. Then this whole game would have been over. Absolutely. Because he would have been taking his eyes off the Father and doing his will. And Jesus says, nope, I'm going to do the Father's will. This isn't going to happen. Verse 40, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, 
What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? And then he instructs them here, doesn't he? He says, sure. watch and pray. And this is the part we're wanting to get to. Because we're talking about temptation. We were talking about the Lord's Prayer. That the Lord lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is how you're delivered from evil. Just what Jesus is doing here is by praying and seeking the Father's will and not being concerned about tomorrow, not be concerned about your circumstances of today. Because we read in Matthew 6, 8, where he says, the Father knows what you need before you ask. Jesus is resting that. He knows, the Father knows his situation and what he's going through. Jesus is not praying, take me out of this circumstance, is he? He's not at all. He's not looking at that. What he's looking at is to be built up to endure that temptation. That's what's meant over in James chapter 1, verse 12. When you're tempted and you overcome that temptation, there's a crown of life. The scripture, the joy that was set before him, the cross, was the joy that was set before him was us. His awesome love and his ability not to fall into temptation because he was one with the Father. And that's where we want to be. And that's what Jesus is trying to instruct the disciples. And he says that here in verse 41. Watch and pray. He's telling him to pray. Least you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. You're thinking. You're not thinking in the spirit. You're not understanding God's word. You're not believing God's word. You're not building yourself up. And the understanding of who God is. And these temptations are going to overcome you. Jesus, prior to that, had a conversation with the disciples a few passages prior to this. And so he was trying to instruct them how to overcome temptation because they thought they were supermen. They thought that they were able to overcome. So go ahead. I think it's about verse 33 where we want to start. Yeah, right? let's go all the way back up there. This deals with the arrogance or the uh, ignorance of the disciples. And his followers. It was misled confidence. <laughs> yes, I like that better. Misled Mis- confidence. They, they said, oh, we're, you know, we're good. We can hang on. We're, we're, we're going to die with you. Well, let's see what happens. ASV. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Stop right there. Monk says stumble. He's even being real arrogant here because he's saying, Even if everybody else falls away, I will not do that. I will not stumble. But he doesn't understand, does he, to make that kind of statement. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter again comes back in verse 35 and says, Eve, I have to die with you. I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing, too. They were all in agreement. They were all going to die. We're all going to die. That's how we're with you, Jesus. Here we go. And so what Jesus says in verse 41, watch and pray. Least you enter into temptation. Because you're saying in your flesh, I can do this. I can accomplish this. In your spirit is where it's going to happen, but you're not there. They fell asleep. Yes, they fell asleep. They should have been praying. They should have been seeking God. That's it. That is the instruction we're trying to convey to everyone, is that they need to be seeking God through prayer, not telling God about their circumstances, but asking God to lift them up to endure their circumstances. Yes. That's what 
Jesus was trying to convey to them. And then in that process of, I'm searching for a better word than endure, but to go through, that process of going through the, the temptation and being, then being lifted up, that's where you have victory. That's where you come to the place of, of resting in God. Yes, and that's what's meant by James chapter 1, verse 12, Terry. I'm going to go back and read that. Blessed is the man who endures temptation because he's resisting his flesh. Yes. That's what it's talking about. He's resisting his flesh and doing the Father's will by walking in the Spirit. When you see that, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Sure. That the temptation is not from God, it's from Satan. And God says, I'm going to give you a reward. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He's going to give you a crown. Wow. For overcoming the temptations that you're faced with throughout the day. But the only way you're going to overcome those temptations is by seeking God through prayer, through meditation, through His Word. That's prayer too, seeking Him through His Word. Yes. Keeping your mind, your emotions, and your imagination in check, your thoughts, everything about your soulish realm. That's what Jesus was doing. He was keeping everything in check. Because he could have gone into fear real easily. Absolutely. Verse 14 in James 1, we've read this already, but it's explaining again being tempted by your thoughts. You're letting those thoughts carry you away. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You could say flesh. When you let your flesh run away with you, with your emotions, any number of things. Which is your mind, isn't it? Yes. It's your mind running away with it. goes back here to that scripture that when the Lord was in Gethsemane, his mind was, I mean, it was struggling. Yeah. But he overcame that temptation by pressing into the Father. And it took three times because as we keep reading on here, in Matthew 26, 42, again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He's realizing what he has to do. In the flesh, he's struggling. In the spirit, he's secure. He understands that. But he keeps saying, Your will be done. I'm not going to deviate. I'm going to go to the cross. He said, the cup's not going to pass from me. So what I'm going to do is do the Father's will. That's what he's saying. I'm going to do the Father's will. In verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. He's referring to the disciples. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. It took three times, and he was built up. He was persistent in that area, being built up. Not persistent about begging God, but he was persistent about, I want to do the Father's will. I'm not worried about myself. I'm denying myself to do your will. In one of the other Gospels, I don't know which one it is, it's Mark or Luke, talks about the messenger. He was comforted with a messenger, an yes. angel. Mm-hmm. That was in Luke. Luke, okay. He kept seeking and praying, and he was comforted. There's one in 
Matthew, one in Mark, and one in Luke. And we want to cover those because you get a different perspective. It paints a broader picture. So let's go to uh, Mark 14, 32 through, through 40. This is Jesus again, still at Gethsemane. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. He was heavy with the circumstance that was before him. Jesus says this to his disciples, Stay here and watch. You watch. Why I go over here to pray. And he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. If it possible. He's having a conversation with God, just like we're having a conversation. You bet. That's awesome. In verse 36, he says, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Again, we see that he's wanting to do the will of the Father, where he's submitting himself. I see myself getting to this point. Father, take this from me. <laughs> I don't go on to the last part of that verse. <laughs> Many of us, <laughs> just that, get this out of my life. And that's what we pray most of the time. Yes. That's why I ask the question, why do we pray? Are we praying for things to be taken out of our life? Are we praying to overcome those temptations and things in our life? See the difference? Yes. The Look, Father's will. The Father's will is what we're seeking in prayer this tells us that one thing that we need to burn in our brain and get in our heart and that's first corinthians chapter six that we have been bought with a price we no longer belong to ourselves turning to that right now because i want to read this verse 19 i want to start there terry okay or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you. And that's what Jesus' body was, was the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Now think about that. You're not your own. And Jesus understood that. Jesus understood he was not his own. And what he was controlling was his fleshly thoughts and allowing that Holy Spirit that was within him to guide and direct him, to give him comfort, to build him up. Verse 20 for you, you and me, Terry, and everyone who has been born again, you were bought at a price. At a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our body and our spirit and our soul belong to God. Jesus understood that going to the cross. He understood that his body, soul, and spirit belonged to God. And he was wanting to do the Father's will. And he was focused in on that. And for a practical application for us, we need to do that. We need to get in our minds that we belong to God. Our body, soul, and spirit belong to God. And we are to yield ourselves the best we can to overcome temptation. And Jesus gives us that example of how to overcome temptation. And that is through prayer. Earnestly seeking him. Because in Matthew 7, doesn't it say that? Ask, seek, and knock. Sure. And he will reveal himself to you to help you overcome temptation and trials in your life. 
it took me a long time to get that in my head. Yes. That I belong to Jesus, not myself. This is that absolute surrender that I keep pressing into myself. Surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God that lives and dwells inside of me now. One of my go-to scriptures is Galatians 2.20. I want to read it. Go ahead. I am crucified with Christ. Well, you were just talking about the body and, and it's not our own. It's crucified with Christ. Yes. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just something that you can go to when temptation comes. Go to the Word of God. Get something that you can hang on to to get yourself like the Lord did through that tribulation because we are now the temple of the holy spirit of god that awesome it's wonderful privilege but you know terry instead of waiting till the fire comes or the trial comes in our life we need to be equipping ourselves constantly and that's where we fall short we wait till a circumstance happens in our life what i call a fire and then we cry out to god and then we by not being prepared to overcome these temptations, we don't have victory because we're, we haven't been prepared. And that's where most of us are at. So we need to retrain our minds, our thinking, every minute of every day to be thanking God. We need Always to be. begin there, thanking God that we have this opportunity to seek Him, to overcome all the trials and tribulations of the flesh. And with that mindset, we will begin to have the mindset and to walk as Jesus because we're wanting to do the Father's will. We won't be going to Him in prayer and saying, remove this obstacle from me. We understand that we're in the world and we're going to have these because Jesus said you're in the world and you're going to have these trials and tribulations. What's the rest of that? But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's the truth. It is. And becomes alive. The Word of God is sharp and powerful. When you begin to put the Word of God in you, you are prepared for the fire. And Jesus was showing His disciples they were not prepared. Amen. That's what He was trying to tell them. But I'm trying to teach you to be prepared. Now, Terry, we're trying to teach others to be prepared. As we teach ourselves. (laughs) Yes, that's right. As we teach ourselves, we're trying to teach others to be prepared when those trials and circumstances of life confront us because they're going to happen. And the reason you have doubt and unbelief and fear in your life is because you haven't prepared. You were talking about the fire. (laughs) I thought of Ephesians 6, the fiery darts. Spiritual warfare. Yeah. That ties right into it. Yeah, it does. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf. Paul was even asking for prayer. Pray on my behalf 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of this gospel. It's being prepared for the flaming arrows. This in verse 16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Yes. Resisting temptation. That's what we're talking about <laughs> yeah. Verse 16. I'm going to read from the New King James. Hallelujah. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That shield of faith is trusting and believing in God by seeking him through prayer and through studying the word. Otherwise, you're just going to be a victim throughout life. And God does not want us to be victims. We are to be victorious now. We have life now. The kingdom's now. The kingdom's within us, within the Holy Spirit that resides within each and every one of us, is now. God wants us to be victorious, but we have to deny self in order for that to happen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. You were just given an awesome <laughs> rendition of that. <laughs> but that's what it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, it's practical true. application of that prayer. It's not reciting it. It's practical application of that prayer. Pray like this. Yes. In yes. this manner. <laughs> we're not talking about some rote prayer. We're talking about seeking the kingdom of God. Wow. That's what we're talking about.